You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talking About Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Olinger, and Sean, we have some very big news. It's obviously the only thing that could lead off this show. We got a review on Apple Podcasts, specifically for us. And it was positive, so and we're on cloud positive. nine right now. From Old Man RHS, love the passion for the Sixers, Daniel and Sean. Keep up the good work. We appreciate yep. old man RHS. That's, you know, that's what we're looking for. The, it may not always be positive passion, but there's always passion here at the Talking About podcast. And uh, yeah, we, we do have actual big news in Sixers land as uh, the reports are that it looks like Doc Rivers is going to be the head coach going forward. So plenty to talk about that today. Yeah, and it's, it's incredible how we have done, we did a pod talking about Mike D'Antoni a lot last week. We talked about Ty Lue as a head coach. I can't with Dave Early a while ago, I think. We did some of that. But somehow, still over a month later, we are still talking about another Sixers head coach candidate in Doc Rivers. Now, for those of you who don't know, if you've been living under a rock or something, Doc Rivers was fired by the – I don't think they even said, like, it was fired, like they agreed to part ways. But it was pretty much – the report was Steve Ballmer was fed up after Doc and the Clippers blew the 3-1 lead and decided to move on from him. And now – and it was, like, reported five minutes later that the Sixers reached out to talk to him. And then last night, right before NBA Finals Game 1, Jason Dumas reports that Doc was going to watch Game 1 with the Sixers brass likely Josh Harris and David Blitzer in the ownership group, and then was expected to be offered the job soon after. Now, one thing I wanted to point out is, do you remember how, wasn't it that the Colangelo burner story came out right as the 2018 finals were going on? Or it was, I, mean I don't, th- I don't, I think it was in May. So I don't know if it was when the finals were going on, but I, I, just, I think it was the playoffs. I, I think it was like, because if I remember that correctly, because the Warriors and Cavs both won their conference finals in four and five. Or no, no, that's 2017. But um, I, I just remember it was like because there were more important things going on in the NBA during that time. And the Sixers, right as the finals were starting, like took over some of the news because only, the only way they can with this kind of, this yeah. kind of content. But, um, I just looked it up. So the story first hit on May 29th. And yeah, then he resigned on June 7th. So I think when he resigned was when the finals were going on. Well, yeah, but I think like, cause the finals usually start on like May 30th or June 1st. So it was right around. That. Right. Yeah. Right. So they were, everyone was talking, everyone was definitely talking about it mm. when the finals started because they're, yeah. they're, the investigation was happening and it was, you know, st- it was and still is one of the most bizarre stories in sports in, in, in recent history. So yeah, it was so- definitely a hot topic. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll get into what we think about Doc Rivers, the coach. And again, it still hasn't been guaranteed that it is him, but it's in all likelihood it is from what we've heard. Now, I don't necessarily think Doc is a bad coach. I don't know how much I think he's a great coach, but either way, I feel like I just don't like the idea that we had heard all this time it was Mike D'Antoni or Ty Lue, and then it was probably Mike D'Antoni, and that was the plan. And then out of nowhere, the Clippers dropped this bombshell on us and then immediately everything changes within like two days, which I think tells me that the Sixers owners were still trying to figure out what to do. And they thought, I guess we'll just go with Mike D'Antoni's best option. And then they'd had like no thought process beside this before. Oh, Doc is available now. Let's get him. He sounds cool. Like it felt like it, it's just, you know, you not, do you know what I'm saying by that? It's like, they don't have some organized plan. Like we want these kind of guys. We're going to target these guys. We're hearing this about these assistant coaches and these coaches that, we're going to try and target them. It was more just Doc is a big name. 
oh, I, now he's suddenly available out of nowhere. Let's get him. I understand what you're saying. It's kind of like how confident could they have been in their previous candidates if they're just so willing to, you know, shove them to the side and go with Doc just when he becomes available. But, you know, the flip side of that is you shouldn't, it's kind of like a sunk cost fallacy thing where, oh, we already went down the road with these guys and just because Doc's available, we shouldn't go with him. Like if they feel Doc is the better candidate to be your coach, then your thinking should change when he becomes available. And I'm not going to fault them for not like doing due diligence and because it came out of nowhere. No one was like Doc Rivers is on the hot seat, really. Even even after their loss to Denver, it you know, people kind of assumed like, oh, well, they could tweak some things. They still had a really good season, and that's hugely disappointing. But everyone kind of expected it, a similar group to return mm-hmm. next year, and no one re- was really calling for Doc's head or anything that I, that I recall. Um, so he suddenly becomes available. If you think he's the better guy for the job then you get him and it doesn't matter that you were kind of down the road with these other guys you should make the best decision with the available information that you have now that something has changed drastically in the marketplace so you know i don't know if i necessarily think doc's the better guy for the job but if they think that then that's i think that's the right decision to make so what i think what they're probably saying here is that so it sounds there's no guarantee of this either, but I'm guessing that Ty Lu is going to get the Clippers job. I think that's where we're headed. And then again, that's obviously like no reporting yet, but I just think there, that, there were some reports that yeah, I mean, I mean like he hasn't. It seems, been it seems like that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then it comes to Doc Rivers and Mike D'Antoni, and it seems like they like Doc more. And I'll say this: I, I personally, my favorite guy for the job was D'Antoni probably out of the three main guys we were hearing with D'Antoni, Lou, and Rivers. And again, I don't, it's not that I have that much against Doc. He's obviously done some really good things in, as in the NBA as a head coach. He's won a lot of games. He's coached a lot of good teams, but I mean, our thing with Brett was always like, Brett does not adjust. Brett, while fine, while a decent, well, nice guy, a, can, had the players like him like he doesn't adjust very well like we saw like the two look at the two coaches in the NBA finals right now and Eric Spolstra and Frank Vogel Spolstra throws that zone out whenever he needs to when but coming down into the bubble even though the their lineup with Bam at power forward and Myers Leonard at center had worked well all season he decided you know what I think for us to really do what we want to do we just have to take Myers out of the rotation Bam is full-time center uh, we're going to start Goran Dragic over Kendrick Nunn, and we're just going to roll with that. And even when the Celtics started to figure out the zone a little bit, he went back to it again because he thought, I think it'll work in this quarter. And then with the Lakers, like, they've played – the Lakers' defense in the playoffs has been incredible. And the way they've adjusted round by round to the teams they're playing. I mean, it's easier to adjust when you have Anthony Davis as on your defense. You can do a lot of different things. But – I think we've seen these playoffs just how important it is that your coach can kind of think through certain things and adjust. And Doc, like, that's been one of the big criticisms of him is that he doesn't adjust. And most notably in these playoffs, Montrez Harrell was just downright awful for pretty much all the playoffs coming off. I think he contracted COVID and then he had his grandmother passed away. He was going through some really hard stuff. But in that Nugget series, he was minus 11.6 net rating, minus 30 with PG and Kawhi on the court still was getting more minutes than Zubats, even though I think it was a report from Jovan Buha of the Athletic that like even the assistant coaches on the Clippers were saying we should probably start playing Zubats and not Trez because this just isn't going well. But Doc was saying like he's been our guy all year, we just got to roll with him. So it, it he has some similarities to Brett Brown to me in that sense where it's like, are you going to make the adjustments when we really need them? Yeah, it's a little concerning, um, but I kind of get where he'd be coming from with that. I mean, Trez won six man of the year. He had a tremendous season for them, and it's, yeah, but that's, that's it's a small – it's a sm- yeah, I know, but it's, it's a, it's a sm- stuff, and it was pr- being proved as they were blowing that lead that Trez could not handle Jokic, and it's not like Zubac was doing great, but he was a better option, and – and that, like I said with Eric Spolster, of like Myers Leonard actually had a pretty good regular season. So did Kendrick Nunn and, it, and Kelly Olynyk and those guys. But you know what Eric Spolster said? 
He said, I'm pretty sure that if I make these adjustments, I take these guys out of the rotation, it's worth it. So, and I, obviously sometimes that has to deal with your roster and the kind of players they are being okay with being taken out of the rotation. But I just would have appreciated if Docs was a little more flexible of how he did that. It's a, little, it's a little different, though. I mean, you're talking about Myers Leonard. He was, what, their, like, ninth man? And True. to take take your ninth man out of the rotation versus well, the mean, guy who is start, probably your fourth. Your four, yeah, but, I mean, like, minutes-wise. Yeah, and man, like, you're right. But, like, he, he, he was still a real rotation player on that team who was not bad during the regular season. Sure. Yeah, and, I mean, it's definitely a valid criticism. I'm just – you know, saying that you should suddenly not play your, like, what, fourth best player? I, I don't – I can't fault a guy for saying, oh, well, he had a few bad games, but he's been an integral part of our success. Like, let's try to work through this. And it's not like Zubac wasn't playing. So do we think that an extra five minutes a game for him at the expense of Harrell would have, like, shifted the series? I mean, I mean they lost possible – they lost some of the, those games were close losses where they blew leads. So, and some of them, yeah, so. it's possible. <laughs> Maybe. So, no. but you know, I, I think if you want to focus on that versus like a, a 12 year track record of success, um, I don't know. It's, it just seems like a, a really small sample size and you're, you're, you're trying to find things to discount him as, as a candidate. Um, and that's not even to say like, I, I, think that he's the best guy for the job i don't really know i mm-hmm. I, I just think given management's preference to have an established coach who had prior success and they weren't going to go out and like scour every assistant coach in the league and see who had the most innovative ideas uh which i would like to have seen happen but the, the reality is that it wasn't going to happen so they were going to go with an established guy and you know, any three of them, they're ultimately fine. I mean, they—they. They, I wrote something yesterday where all of them have either won a title or won a Coach of a Year award. And in Doc Rivers' case, he's he's achieved both of those things in the to past. To be fair, the Coach of the Year award means almost nothing. Hasn't Greg Popovich <laughs> won it once? So yeah, it's it's not. It's I, a little Brad, narrative driven. Stevens has won it yet. Spolster maybe got it one time. Like the Coach of the Years. It, it, the, you know what the real coach of the year award is it's the nba finals trophy yeah so i mean so doc has one of those in the past uh, yeah it's just it's hard to like really gripe that this is where things ended up like if you would say b- before the previous season you said hey brett's eventually going to fire get fired and they're going to replace him with doc rivers like would anyone have complained really mm-hmm. it's it's yeah, there's maybe not this ultra high ceiling, but it's a situation where he's had success in multiple places. He has the respect of everyone in the league, including the players. He's, you know, regarded as not only a, a good coach, but, you know, one of the exemplary human beings. Mm. And um, he has he has that level of rapport with the stars. So hopefully he can come in and, and be a guy that, Joel and Ben will, you know, respect and kind of listen to whatever ideas he brings to the table and be willing to implement them. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what's going to determine whether the Sixers have success going forward is, is Joel and Ben. So we'll see how that plays out, but. I wanted to touch on that, like with the respect, because that's been a big talking point, like the respect that Doc Rivers gets from these guys are how we can probably command a locker room. And it goes back to when he was coaching those Celtics teams of Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Rondo, you know, very high-level star-filled teams, very intense guys. Then he's had the Clippers for all these years. And even though he's only won one title, his teams, he's made the playoffs too many times to count. Like, there are, there are very few Doc Rivers disastrous years. But this is one thing I do want to say, because again, this was in the, an excellent article by Jovan Buha on The Athletic. He specifically referenced a game. You remember the game in Philly that the Sixers beat the Clippers at, where it, there were 12 seconds left in the first half. The Clippers were inbounding the ball, and they, they were just trying to get a score before the end of the half. Doc decided to sub in Landry Shamit for Kawhi. 
for I'm guessing just because it was a certain play, probably wanted to get Landry a three or something. And as he comes out, Kawhi apparently throws his hands up in the air and says, what the heck, we're, there are 12 seconds left, we're down two. Real, clearly mad that he's getting subbed out. But as he walks off, basically, and he's yelling at Doc, Doc instead like points at him, then points at Lou and tells Lou to get off the court. And then Lou Williams is really mad. And this was a big part of Jovan's piece that, like, it was the locker room the whole year felt a little bit like Lou William, Montrez Harrell, and Pat Beverly a little upset that Paul George and Kawhi got preferential treatment from Doc, something that they thought upset them. That was like the stars are not held to the same standard that us, like grind grinded out Clippers who overachieved last year were held to. And I do know that they said, I think when they had the report that some of the players in the Clippers think they're better than Paul George, like I'm pretty sure that was referencing Lou Will because Lou is a very confident guy. And Lou is a very good player, but I think that was part of it too. But so I do think like that's a little bit of a concern. Like obviously Joel and Ben have not been in the league as long for, or have achieved as much as definitely not as Kawhi Leonard mate, to be honest, they haven't achieved that much less than Paul George, but still less. But do you worry at all like that there'll be more stuff like that where it's like you hear the Sixers role players upset that Ben and Joel seem like they get preferential treatment from Doc? Who would that even be for the Sixers? Are, are we worried Tobias would be a guy I, that would I suddenly actually, get so upset? Like, is, I don't know. One of the biggest reasons I think they hired Doc is Tobias has never played better than when he played under Doc Rivers. That was the peak of Tobias's career. And largely because Doc Rivers' offense is a ton of pick and rolls, and he loved to have Tobias go in there. Uh, I have a ton of stats list down. If you don't want me to drown you in stats, but I could go through it. Basically, that Doc Rivers' offenses have finished like tops, and they've finished above average in pick and roll ball handler possessions per game like every single year he was with the Clippers and especially like the last three years, they've been top four each year. Then Tobias, when he was with the Clippers finished 87th percentile as a pick and roll scorer, And that was 27, just about 27% of all his possessions were like that back in 2019 before he got traded, gets traded to the Sixers, dropped down to 72nd percentile and it, his like frequency went way down. 2020 got even worse down to 54th percentile scorer out of the pick and roll again lower volume and it's not like it was just with like the that one half a season of the Clippers the year before of the Clippers he was 82nd percentile in pick and rolls and even before that the Pistons he was very high percentiles as a pick and roll scorer so do we think that's a big part of why they wanted Doc is that Doc kind of brought the best out of Tobias like if you don't if people don't remember like Tobias got a lot of all-star votes in 2019 I think he was like out of 12 guys he was like 13th or 14th he was close yeah, I remember that it was a legitimate conversation. Like, will the Sixers have four All-Stars, maybe? Because they're like, JJ, this would be like JJ's best chance to ever make the game. And then Tobias, as you mentioned, was right right behind there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're referencing Doc having a pick-and-roll heavy offense. I mean, isn't that what people have been calling for for years now, for Philadelphia to adopt more of that? So, I feel like this would be in line with that and people would be happy that they're going with a guy that features that in his offense so heavily. Yeah. I mean, they've been calling for, I, I don't totally fault Brett for not doing as much when your two got main guys and Ben and Joel, like Ben, as we know, they can, you can play the pick and roll against him. You can just drop back because Ben's not going to shoot. And Joel seems to only want to pop for threes and long twos instead of actually roll to the basket. So maybe that's a thing where doc, like, having a stronger voice, voice being a newer voice in the locker room can convince them to do some of those things. But also instead of like, we don't like it when they just give the ball to Tobias on the wing and he's just going to ISO for a fading like 13 footer floater that has no chance. Instead, it's going to be Tobias. You're getting a screen from Ben Tobias. You're getting a screen from Joel. And then you're a good decision maker. You can hit your, you can get a little better quality shots than that with some extra attention paid to the roller and that'll kind of help you so an, another thought is that uh doc has experience with a point guard that doesn't really shoot from the outside back in his boston days with with rondo so you know obviously ben simmons has kind of been referred to as like a a 610 rondo 
well, um, from yes. from peak peak Rondo days. So yes, I, I mean they, he didn't shoot a ton, but like Rondo could still hit threes every once in a while. Like it was we haven't seen anything like Ben where it's literally just he will not shoot. Like Rondo really preferred not to, but he would still do it. For sure, yeah, he definitely would take them more often than Ben does. But uh, I don't know, maybe Doc has that experience and can just kind of tell Ben, hey, you only need to take as many as Rajon did back in the day. Just just enough to keep people having that thought in the back of their mind that you possibly could. Uh, I don't know. And maybe that gets through because Doc's a better communicator and he has a, a ring to his credit that he can kind of point to and say, mm-hmm. like, hey, this will work. And that, you know, that wasn't the case for Brett, obviously. So I don't, it, it's, we, I mean, we can parse whether the, the pros and cons, and, and th- I think there were instances for each candidate where we could find holes in their, their coaching mm-hmm. resume and acumen. So, and, and you, you absolutely should. It's it's valid to, to point to reasons why you don't feel a guy's a particular um, best case for the job. But at the end of the day, it's it's a guy that's made the playoffs nearly aside from one year a few years ago when they they had some injuries he's made the playoffs every year for the past decade he's been like just below a 60 percent winning percentage and he has a title so it's i'm not real if 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 you go into this knowing that management isn't going to find the next brad stevens or the next hot shot young assistant um this is kind of like where we are you got a title winning coach who's had a long track record of success. And mm-hmm. it's, I, I understand why people, you know, bring out the retread thing and they're a little bit like disappointed that this is where we are, but go after what Brett was fired, I'm not really sure what else people might've expected. And I feel like this is kind of a solid place to be with the knowledge that they were going to go after an experienced veteran coach who had previous success. I, I know. And you're, you're right. That it's like, again, this is what we talked about back when they did fire Brett. It's like, yeah, Brett should probably go, but who are you getting? That's better. And while doc probably is better, at least definitely from a reputation standpoint, I mean, like there's a lot of things about doc that we already could have said about Brett and like, Doc is reported to be a great guy. Like, but yeah, so was Brett. Both, there was no, like, these were not Jim Boylan situations where it was like, you got, got to get this guy out of the building. Like, he's just not pleasant to be around. Like, it, they were both reported to be very good guys, very likable. And yeah, Doc's made the playoffs all these years. But I mean, the Sixers, are, the Sixers could hire me or you and they would still make the playoffs next year as long as they keep relatively the same roster because the East is not as good as the West. And the Sixers are just have way more talent than some of those other teams. So, I challenge Sixers ownership to see if that would be the case. Bring <laughs> one of us in and say, we've done such a good job building this roster that we could bring a podcaster slash blogger in to coach the team and they would still make the playoffs. I feel like that's a valid challenge for ownership and they should take that, take us up on that. Oh, I just got a text. No. <laughs> um, but <laughs> There's a Woj tweet. <laughs> no, but, like, my point is that, like, yeah, Doc will they'll probably still be in the playoffs, but our goal, like, as if we – the goal for Sixers fans and Sixers ownership should not be make the playoffs and maintain the course. The goal is – the goal from ever since this process was started is that make this a championship team again. and. Doc, while having won that and while having great success with the Celtics, like it can't be lost the fact of how many second round collapses he had with the Clippers. Just going off the top of my head, the 2014, they have tied the series 2 2 of the Thunder, game five, up seven, 55 seconds left. They lose the game. And when every, I'm not sure how much of that was Doc's fault, whereas that might be the worst moment of Chris Paul's career. And also, although he did call for, he did call for an ISO of Jamal Crawford near the end of the game, which, was not a good idea. Then 2015, they blow the 3-1 lead to the Rockets where game six at home, 19-point lead with like a quarter left, and they just everything falls apart. Then a few years of injuries, a few years where Doc's reputation gets kind of bolstered after he's no longer the GM and head coach. 
and the, and but they kind of overachieve with these guys like Montrez and Lou and Pat Bev. But then this year, you know, even though I think that Nuggets team was awesome, and we already I mean, we talked with Ryan two weeks ago how much we love that Nuggets team and how good they are and the credit they deserve, you would have liked to see the Clippers play a lot better than they did. And I, I don't know. It's just because, like we said, the point of a team with this kind of star-level talent and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, the point should just not be to tread water and keep being a playoff team, keep maybe win a series per year. Like, the goal is eventually, still eventually to do it all or at least be one of the contenders, be one of the teams that can win the title. And the closest they've gotten to that, really in like – like I, I'm going to probably bring it up later. I went through like the last 30 seasons of Sixers basketball. So there's the 0-1 team that made the finals, but that was almost more of a fluke more than anything because they really weren't contenders any other year. And if you go back, that 0-1 Eastern Conference was bad. And that 0-1 just look at like the seventh and eighth guys on the 0-1 Sixers. It's not very pretty. The probably the closest really to a true championship team is the 2019 Sixers when they almost beat the Raptors, had the starting lineup with Jimmy Butler, JJ, Tobias, Embiid, and Ben Simmons had the best net rating of any lineup in the playoffs. And if you go back, they were definitely one of the five best teams in the league that year to me. Like once all was said and done, they really had a chance that year. Now they're taking a step backwards. I'm not sure if Doc Rivers is the guy to really move them forward. Yeah, I would agree that last year was a tremendous opportunity for them. Um, you know, just looking at this, the stack gets thrown around a lot because of how well Butler's playing this year, but the the starting lineup in the playoffs last year just had a historically great net rating. They were just a, a really effective unit. Um, so you would have liked to see that stick together and meet and go yeah, forward I, and see what they could do. But I don't remember uh, who wrote it, but someone on 538 put it together where in the 21st century, it was the third best net rating of any playoff lineup in yeah. the 21st century. I think I can't remember. It was a Lakers lineup with, I think Shaq and Kobe. And then it was, it was one Lakers lineup. It was, I can't remember if it was Shaq and Kobe or Gasol Kobe teams. And then the best one was the 2011 Mavs, where it was Kid, Terry, Marion, Nowitzki, and Chandler. They were that lineup was like plus 40 per 100. Yeah, is- absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, so yeah, that uh, was a great team last year, and you know that's been run into the ground. How it was a mistake not to run it back, but you know, you mentioned you you want to have a championship caliber ceiling. Um, and of course that's true, but there's no guarantees, you know, just because you bring in a young assistant that has some innovative ideas, you don't know for sure that that's going to be mm-hmm. the tweak to get you over the top. So you, you bring in doc and there's a tremendous, you know, floor there, um, so to speak. And you know, you're going to have at least a certain level of success, but Maybe it's just having, maybe all they needed was a different voice, like getting through to these guys, Mm -hmm. maybe just having Brett there for so long and he was there when they were losing, uh, you know, which wasn't his fault, obviously, but it may be that they they just eventually drowned him out and whatever he wanted, maybe he knew the right things to do, but for whatever reason, those messages just weren't getting through to guys because after so long, you just turn out the same, hearing the same voice. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe just bringing in Doc, who's, you know, a different, just a different guy and has, you know, different, slightly different ideas. That is just enough. And maybe the roster, you know, people have said it may be like if Ben's there in the playoffs and they can, you know, move Al and get a slightly better roster fit and maybe they do have enough talent and, you know, that's all they really needed to do and that'll work. So I guess that's what they're hoping for. Just, having that high floor and just making enough small tweaks that they can improve just enough in, you know, not, not a dominant Eastern conference. Um, so yeah, like just getting back to my point, it's, I, I don't know really what people expected. Like we knew, we just knew management wasn't going to do the, the most expansive search. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll just have to, you know, see what the, Doc brings to the table as far as new ideas. Yeah, and just looking at here, I think uh, Mark Stein tweeted about 30 minutes ago that 
I mean, it's just additional reporting. Basically, he's hearing, too, that Doc Rivers is probably the guy in Philly. Ty Lue's probably headed to the Clippers. My guess would be that Mike D'Antoni's then probably go into either the Pacers or the Pelicans because those are probably the other – those are the other coaching vacancies, right? Yeah, I believe so. And we'll probably, like – I don't know. You could get, like, just off the top of my head, like there could be a Sam Cassell to Houston kind of thing. That would probably be get some traction. Uh, Indiana's interviewed like 30 assistants around the league. Like, Philly, like as you said, Philly is not doing what Indiana's doing in terms of like looking for the new great assistant. Like, and I mean, I know what you're saying that I, and I think you definitely have a big point. It's like, we knew this wasn't going to be the search and there's no guarantee that you're like, we, I mean, we bashed the Sixers front office and ownership group the whole time. And now we're asking them to say, so maybe we should be, appreciative of the thought that they're just going with a guy who we know is no can do something well instead of like trusting this group to you know like pick out the next great assistant turned head coach exactly um, yeah yeah all, all we do is complain how yeah. awful the front office is but then on the on the flip side there people are saying why isn't the front office able to get the next great coach well why would you think they would you complain about everything else they do so the sixers hire doc rivers and make him do make him do the gm and coach thing again i'm going to lose my mind because as they was reported doc said that was like way too much for him or anyone to do both those jobs at once that the clippers that year that he um was gm too like he signed jeff green and lance stevenson to horrible contracts it was yeah i don't don't think that's gonna happen and I, i i think doc you know, it's pretty open and honest about yep. the fact that he wasn't capable of filling both roles. So it's not even a situation where he wants power, like managerial, like front office power. So common sense and prior evidence has never stopped the Sixers. So uh, don't put it past them. Yeah, well, El- Elton's the guy, and he's got it. He's still got his band of merry men who haven't changed at all. So yeah, yeah I we'll just want to say this. Speaking of assistance, because like. I don't. I had a Sixers sort. I had a source the other day tell me that. Uh, just, I mean, it's something like, do you think Ime Udoka could get one of those other two jobs that are available? Because I did have someone telling me the other day that e, they like they were down in the bubble and Ime Udoka was one of the nicest guys like they had ever met by all accounts. The only the only team I'd really seen him linked to was Chicago, and they filled their position already with Billy Donovan so I, I mean I'm not super plugged into the the coaching rumors circles so but just from what I heard that was the only time mm-hmm. we really heard his name pop up so yeah yeah I don't I don't know about the other vacancies and whether he's been mentioned as a serious candidate for those no yeah it's I mean you I, I definitely still like I don't know why I just kind of thought Mike Danto I like Mike D'Antoni's creativity on offense and kind of just some of the stuff he's done through the last years a little more than Doc Rivers but again it's like comparing like they both have some similar flaws they're both like they both coach teams with notable playoff collapses and either way it's like we we didn't think we were getting any guy who's like we we knew the Sixers were going to get a brand name a guy a big name because this is still like it's still a good job to coach the Sixers because you're getting a team that definitely has a lot of talented players in a big city. You'll get a lot of coverage. And it's like, you, I mean, even despite the past evidence of the 30 years, I, you should be able to win here. This isn't like you're going to Minnesota or Sacramento. And there's only 30 jobs. So, I mean, yeah, well, they're, 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 they're all highly coveted. And as for all the reasons you mentioned, you know, Philadelphia is one of the bigger markets and they have two all-stars on the roster already and they've made the playoffs for however many years now at this point. So yeah, it's not one. Yeah. He's going to come in and they're going to make the playoffs again in all likelihood. And it's going to be up to him to make the adjustments to kind of take them to the next level. But more importantly, it's going to be up to the, front office to do something with the roster and hopefully you know people recognize that that getting doc rivers in isn't the cure-all and we talk a lot about how coaches get a little too much credit as it is like 
ultimately it's up to the talent you have on the roster and how the roster fits together. And I think the Sixers are the ultimate example of that. Just it's, there's only so much you can do as a coach when your two best guys don't really fit great in the first place. And then you fill out the rest of the roster with guys that don't complement those guys, the, the two stars at all. So well, yeah, I mean, that's going to be obviously Doc's biggest challenge coming in and we'll, we'll see what Elton and company are able to do in the draft and offseason free agency and uh, making any trades they, uh, you know, people think they obviously need to make. So that's, that's the bigger, the bigger test for how this team will improve next season in my mind. Do you, I'm just thinking right now, say the Sixers were in the second round next year and blew a three, one lead to the Celtics the third time they've done it to the Celtics in their history. I don't know if we could like take it here at Liberty Ballers. It would just be, there would be nonstop like Sixers mockery all over the internet. I'm just, I'm like just imagining the combination of Doc Rivers, the coach who blows three one leads, and the Sixers blowing a three one lead to the Celtics again, like they did in 1981 and 19 uh, 1968. I want to say. After watching them get swept by the Celtics, just the thought of them being up 3-1 <laughs> in a series against Boston is just such a, a foreign concept to me yeah. that I, I, I don't know if I can even envision this this subsequent alternate reality you've constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, that would obviously be awful. And I'm sure the internet would come out with all their uh, knives sharpened and it would be an excruciating experience. But, you know, that's already what Philadelphia sports is. So we, It is what Philadelphia sports is. <laughs> we, we're as well prepared as anyone for such a situation. I don't, I don't know if you've heard, but bad things happen in Philadelphia. I, I have heard that, and I'm pretty sure T-shirts are already on the streets. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to talk about, though, is we're just one more thing here. Um, are we at all concerned that the reports have been that Joel Embiid wanted Mike D'Antoni, that he had given his, maybe, I don't know if it's wanted, but he definitely like approved of the hire. And he gave his blessing. Yes. I'm yeah. not sure if he, and there's no report that like Embiid hates Doc Rivers, but, and we, let's just, let's just be going to a hypothetical here. Let's say Joel came, went a week ago to the ownership group and said, I want Mike D'Antoni. I think he's the best coach for us. And that seems like that's the report all week. Then, and he's like, okay, Joel's happy. Like, oh, I'm getting D'Antoni as my coach. This is going to be great. He's the guy I want. And then Doc Rivers gets fired and immediately they change course and decide, you know what, we're going with Doc. Don't you think that would really upset Joel? I would think that given the fact that they already consulted him on D'Antoni, if they were wanting to move forward with Doc, they would give him a call. That's a good point. Joel, Joel and say, Hey, you know, doc was just parted ways with the Clippers. He, he is interested, you know, he's willing to come to Philadelphia to talk with us. we really think he would be the guy. Like, is that again, okay with you? Again, standard procedural <laughs> procedural operations for NBA, NBA front offices cannot be assumed with the Sixers. We can hope, but we can't just a hundred percent. know. sure. That's true. But just the fact that they, it's reported that he kind of signed off on a potential D'Antoni hire that at least shows me that they were keeping yeah. him in the loop with what was going on. So th- there's no reason to think he wasn't also, um, you know, consulted if Doc Rivers was someone they wanted to move forward with. Um, mm-hmm. So, so they, they, I'm sure they gave him a call and said, hey, Joel, congrats on the new baby, which, you know, congrats to Joel. He's now a father. Oh, yeah. Congrats, Joel. And also, just again, proving why back when people were criticizing Joel for having some ner- like being nervous about going down to the bubble, it's why you don't criticize people. You try do your best not to criticize like individual, like personal decisions of people, especially with regard to their safety, because it's clear Joel. It's actually amazing that we just heard about it. That was the first time we had heard about it once the child was born. That like. Joel was clearly concerned with something that was more important than basketball. Yeah. And when he was wearing the hazmat suit to go to the airport and, you know, Kendrick Perkins was making fun of him. Like that's just, that just looks even more awful now in hindsight. And, you know, we shouldn't have needed uh, his girlfriend being pregnant as a reason to like cut him slack because, you know, there's this worldwide health (laughs) pandemic and everyone should be concerned about their safety. So you shouldn't be making fun of a guy for, you know, being worried um, in the first place. But yeah, that looks, that looks even worse now. 
But um, yeah, cir- circling back to the, the coaching thing, I, I just think he would have been informed. And I think Ben would have also. And I, I, th- I think they would have at least said, hey, Doc's the guy we're thinking about. Do you have a problem with that? And I'm sure they said, no, that's fine. If that's who you think is the best guy, then go ahead. You know, they, the guy they actually called was Mike Scott and want to see Mike, like, what do you think about Doc? They, they, they talked to Shake. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, Doc, Shake it all in. We're, I think that here. But uh, um, I do think it's interesting how we've seen that ever since Doc was fired, there's not been one social media post by any of the Clippers in support of Doc or, like, saying, sorry to see you go, like, and also, like, you clearly, if Doc was fi- Doc was let go by the Clippers, they definitely talked to Kawhi and Paul George about it. And yeah, said, there was the there was the ESPN report that yeah, there's, specifically there's, stated they did. You have to. That's one thing people have to understand about the modern NBA. The only teams that don't consult the best players on the team about these coaching decisions are the ones that don't have like any players good enough to do that yet. Like a team like the Knicks. They when they hired Thibodeau, I'm sure they just were like maybe they asked the guys a little bit, but that was not really impacting their decision. But even yeah, they're like, not asking R.J. Barrett his for his input. Well, I mean, Mitchell Robinson's the best player on that team right now. But um, uh, like even a guy like Trey Young, who's really young, like if the tra- if the Hawks make any coaching decisions in the next few years, they're definitely talking to Trey about what they want to do and what Trey would like best. Or when Steve Nash gets hired by the Nets, it's not hard to put two and two together. He's really good friends with Kevin Durant. He's, I think it's reported he has a pretty good relationship with Kyrie Irving. KD and Kyrie got together after they decided they wanted Kenny Atkinson gone and said, we think Steve Nash is the coach for us. And that's why Steve Nash is now the coach of the Brooklyn Nets. So that, that's, that's the next level up. That's not even consulting the players. That's the players yeah, that's just, that's dic- just them dictating who they want specifically and getting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, getting their, their previous coach fired and then who they want brought in. If we think Joel and Ben could do that, who do we think they would get? Any ideas? Uh, Luke Richard Bahamute? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's who Joel has the best relationship with. I, I don't. I don't know if he's much at all. <laughs> no, I mean, I like. I always liked him, Bahamute. He is a great vet, and he had he, he had a serviceable season here. So. Yeah, if, if he's a coach, bring him in. I don't know. <laughs> Hire a weight, or if we just want to go the veteran player recently who isn't retired yet but should retire soon, and we could get him. Like, I don't know if you read that huge profile of Udonis Haslam on the Ringer. So, like, yeah, I, I don't feel like he's ever leaving Miami, even even after he stops yeah, flying. If he's gonna be, he's gonna be like their, he's gonna be their strength and conditioning coach. I was or something. <laughs> I was praying for him to get in the game last night because I was just. I think I tweeted it too. Like I was so mad that they didn't just let him go in the game. Like just let Udonis like let him put his name down in the box score. He can show his kids like like years later. Like even hey, look, even when I was like forty years old, I still got in an NBA Finals game. That was still me. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he'll be able to show them the mansions they're living in and still get respect and, from and his, his kids. Three championship rings. So, yeah, yeah, Udonis is great. He has, he has plenty of respect equity that he can pass on to yeah. his uh, family. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, in the end, like, the Doc Rivers situation, like, again, nothing, as we've come, as basically we said of all three of these candidates, none of them are the super, like, if we, you wanted an example of a super exciting hire for the Sixers that would have gotten us, the, six, the team, a lot of hype and probably made some people think, oh, maybe that team can really do it next year. It, the guy was Jay Wright, probably, who is not interested, but the Sixers, Sixers are interested in him. And being he's been such a great college coach for such a long time, such a tactical genius. He's built such an incredible program at Villanova. That would have been like the incredible, oh my gosh, maybe this is it, higher for the Sixers. These other guys are like, you know, fine. Like, I don't think there'll be any of them will be a disaster, but there's only – so much you can do when you hear these kinds of hires to get excited about. And I'm sure Doc will be fine. The most exciting part about the Doc hire to me is actually what he might be able to re like what he might be able to bring out in Tobias Harris again. Cause again, I was like, Tobias was really good when he played under Doc. Yeah. Just the way the industry, you know, before get to Tobias, just to your previous point, just the way the industry works, anyone that there's not like hot assistant coaches that are, 
talked about on sports radio that like the gen the non deep nba scouting community it like anyone that's not in that they're not discussing those kind of guys on a regular basis so it's either guys who have you know had high level success in the nba before and that's the kind of class of coaches the sixers are targeting with you know d'antoni rivers and tyloo who won a previous he won a title in cleveland um so there's there's that kind of candidate and then there's the the big name college guys so yeah jay wright was the big name college guy he's He's staying at Villanova for life. Anything else was, you know, a pipe dream. Um, but those are the only two kind of people people hear about because they don't they don't hear about unless it was like a former player, like when Patrick Ewing was an assistant and was asking to be a head coach, and then he eventually got the Georgetown job. Like unless it's a, a high profile former player, you don't hear about the assistant coaches. You don't hear about the Eric Spolstras who were the video coordinators in the depths of the Miami arena for years. And then when they give him the job, everyone's like, Oh yeah, he was, he was great at like splicing video. I'm so glad we got him. Yeah. But that turns out he's, he's like a great coach. Um, That's what makes it exciting too, is you get like, we have two great examples in Nick nurse and Eric Spolster. It's like, yeah, look at those guys. Like no one thought they'd ever be an NBA coach. And now like, if you told if you told people those are the two best coaches in the NBA right now, you're not getting la- people. A lot of people would agree with you, probably. Yeah, it's they're certainly in the upper tier. So yeah, since there's no way to really quantify coaching um, beyond like titles and winning percentage, and you know both those guys have at least one ring to their credit and have performed had their teams perform exceptionally well, like they have to be in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think most people just kind of revert to pop because he's had I mean, the longest track yeah. record and the most rings and everything. But yeah, if you're looking at like who's in the moment, who's doing the best job and that's an impossible thing to quantify, like, yeah, they have to be in the conversation. But yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of how this works is that, you know, if you really want to scout and find the best young up and coming talent who can really be innovative and 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 make some kind of transformative effect, effect on your team. No one's going to like know too much about it. There, there there's going to be like two or three scouting guys who are able to break down something, and everyone's just going to kind of glam onto whatever article they write about it, and that's going to be their opinion of the guy. They're not going to have their own opinion based on what they've seen and experienced from him. So, uh, given you know, I, I I hate to harp on it again, but the Sixers management just wasn't doing that. So, mm-hmm. we're, we're, and the big name college coach wasn't an option. So all that's left are the big name candidates who have been high profile veteran coaches for years. So they got one of those and we just got to kind of move forward and, and, and hope that a different voice can be beneficial for this roster. If the Eagles don't hire him after they go 0-15-1, should the Sixers just hire Eric Bieniemy and tell him you're the best offensive mind there there is? You can you figure out the Sixers' offense? That'd be that'd be a real tough blow for uh, Doug Peterson, given that he's won a title in the past <laughs> I, three I know. seasons. I, mean, like, I, mean, <laughs> I know, I know, and I still like Doug. I mean, side. We were discussing before the Doc Rivers news came out. We were legitimately thinking about just going on an Eagles rant for like a good portion of this podcast. Which, I mean, <laughs> they played. They tried to tie. They they came into an NFL game with one of the worst playing the worst teams, and at the end of the day, said, "You know what? We think we have earned a tie, and we are cool with that." Like, and people it say was- like brutal <laughs> people say tying is like kissing your sister why is that the expression why is kissing your sister considered a decent compromise like that should be what losing feels like right like is well it- i don't i don't have a sister so i can't even True. speak to I, what I, the experiences have, feel like I, um i have I, two and i can only imagine that would be a very bad <laughs> feeling so like kissing your sister should be losing kissing a girl you like or a partner you like should be winning like you know that's the goal and then in the middle should be not kissing anyone which is like man I didn't you know like I didn't get any kiss but at least I didn't have to kiss my sister you know like that should be a tie so so a tie is like going to a bar and not not being successful in chatting anybody up yes but it's not a disaster (laughs) or something like that yeah that's the thing it's like you feel like you wasted your time, but at least you didn't get a negative outcome. Whereas, like, you know what I'm going with this. All right, so we're we're gonna, our new our new segment is to break down 
a well-known American idiom and kind of <laughs> dissect why it doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm with you. We can do this. <laughs> uh, it, it's still not one of the, I mean, still like, I, I don't know. I don't know where it's going with that. Uh, Point but, is the Eagles shouldn't have played for a tie. And they, they and, don't, and don't, don't, ex, a, don't expect a 58 year old, eight, 58 year yard long field goal to be what you should play for. Be a little more aggressive. Don't just trust that that's a gimme. And then after you get a false start penalty, uh, you know, maybe go for it or, or, let, or, let or Jake at least, at least try the 63, 64 yarder. It's not like our kicker sucks. Jake Elliott's a great kicker. Like yeah. let him take a rip. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's many, many ways that that could have played out differently. And it, it wasn't the very worst because I think the very worst would have been like a, a blocked field goal for return for a touchdown. But people would have understood that and they would have yeah. said, hey, that was awful and very, very on brand for the Eagles this season. But at least they uh, were aggressive. But um, yeah, so I, I, honestly, with the, uh, we can we don't have to talk about the Eagles anymore because this is a Sixers podcast. But I, I, I would say Howie Roseman would be the first to go before Doug, honestly. Mm. Well, we'll leave that to our friends at Bleeding Green Nation to probably sort that all out. But um, yeah, we do not in the end we we do not know even yet for sure that it is Doc Rivers low in all likelihood it is. By the time you listen to this, and they might have already announced that. Tune in next week when Doc is not the coach, and we talk about Mike D'Antoni for now. <laughs> uh, no, when we talk about Luke Mbamute, the new head coach of the Seventy Sixers. There you, yeah, exactly. You, we, you never we, know. There's always curveballs. That's that's why you have to come back every week. We do not know what the Sixers will do. We do not know if D- Doc Rivers, if hired, is the right solution. All we know is that bad things happen in Philadelphia sports. That is all that can be certain. Yes, it's it's a corollary to the Mike Levin thesis. Imagine enjoying a sport in Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> we we now have a a subsection to that. So. Great. Well, <laughs> that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, thank you all for listening. And like Old Man RHS, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If any of you leave us a review or leave a question down there for me and Sean, 100% we will answer it. And reference yeah. it on the spot. Literally anything that isn't hateful like or bad in any way like that, we will talk about it on the pod. So if you want... If you want the clout of being on the Liberty Ballers podcast network on the Talking About podcast, just leave a review down there. If you've ever wanted to hear your name on a regional basketball podcast, this is your chance. It's likely it's the one, best chance you'll ever have. So it's a, do, it's do a it. once in a week opportunity. Exactly. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, hopefully uh, people are enjoying it and can leave some um, more positive reviews. And until then, uh, I'll talk to you next week, Daniel. All right. See you, Sean.